Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Vincent Mann Sports Podcast. My name is Vincent Manns. With me today is Anthony Booker. Anth, how are you doing today? Good. Um, unfortunate loss on Wednesday night, but, you know, it's been a very interesting week of footy. A lot of stuff has happened behind the scenes as well in that Oregon game, and there's a lot to talk about today, so let's get into it. Yep, and let's get straight into that game two for Origin that happened on Wednesday night. Now, obviously, Queensland pretty much dominated New South Wales throughout the whole game. Uh, I've made a few notes as well. Did you want to start with some things that you saw and observed and some things that you thought about after the game as well? I feel, I don't know, I feel like New South Wales have lost their way with their culture and tradition a little bit. Like, I'm just going to put it on one person and we all both know who that is. And you know, he starts with, his initials are BF, good old Freddie Fitler, and I think it's his time has come as a coach, and that's all I've got to say so far. I'll I just want to know what you said, and we'll just and I'll make comments on what you think. Yeah, I completely agree with you. At the start of the year, I said that if Queensland to, were to go on to win the series, then I think Brad Fittler would get fired, and I still feel that way. I still feel like it's going to be the same way, and. I feel that he made a lot of uh, tactical decisions that were very questionable. The main one being putting Damien Cook at centre. Yeah, I thought initially well, he put Cam Murray at centre, but that's, that's... thinking about it, they did they want to risk it because he did have a a, glu- uh, a groin injury going into the game, and oh, but... maybe no. he wasn't a hundred percent. I know. Do, do you feel like they still should have just put Cameron Murray in? Oh hell yeah, they should have put him in. No matter if you've put your if you signed up to play, if his great injury was that bad, he shouldn't be playing. If you're pure there, you should be playing footy. But apparently, I was reading um, Fox apparently Fox League put out an article saying that um, Daniel Cook was ready to play in the centers if anything were to happen, which. Do you think that's just Freddie trying to cover his own, trying to cover himself up, or do you reckon that's actually yeah, true? Possibly, right? I mean, I've got down here as well that I watched the post game press conference afterwards from Freddie as well, and I also watched an interview that Greg Alexander did with uh, NRL three hundred and sixty uh, the night after game two, and. What it seems like is there is a a lack of accountability from the coaching staff for their own mistakes. So really, they're either blaming the players or if you're someone like Phil Good, who talked about this on his podcast on Thursday, New South Wales, he believes that those players from New South Wales, they grow up dreaming to play for NRL clubs. And Queenslanders dream of playing Origin for their state as kids. And to me, it just seems like that those traditions are very old. It's not very uh, modern. And it seems like people who work for the media, people who work for the coaching staff, 
don't take accountability um, for what's actually really happening, which is the coaching staff just making a bunch of mistakes. And I believe there needs to be a, a real clean out within that coaching staff if New South Wales were to have success over the next few years, not only just for next year. Yeah, that's right. I reckon, well, you look at, well, you look at a lot of these clubs, like you look at Penrith. Penrith is a prime example. Every kid in Penrith wants to grow up now and play for the Penrith Panthers. And that's the thing. Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, Vita all, all dreamed about playing for Panthers, not playing for the Blues. A lot of those players liked playing for the Blues as well. But, yeah, like he's probably right. Good old Gussie. Like, I totally agree with him. There's no... Like Queenslanders have just got that passion in them that they want to win. They, they want to play hard for their state and they want to win. Mm. Yeah, well, the thing is, I actually disagree with Gus Gould. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure if you ask anyone who plays for New South Wales, they'd be proud to represent their state. And when they grow up, I mean, I'm sure every kid wants to make it into the NRL, sure. But I'm sure everybody wants to play for their state as well. And yes, we do have a lot of players who are of Islander heritage, but we also have a lot of people who are really want to play or they're born in New South Wales and they really want to represent their state and Australia as a country as well. So I just disagree with that notion again. I think it's sort of just a smokescreen to uh, what really is the biggest problem, which is the coaching staff. Oh, that's well, that's one big problem. I look, I agree with you to a point, but also agree with Gus as well. I'm on that. I'm on the fence with that. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, like everyone wants to play in the state of Oregon. It's probably the biggest game in Australia at the moment. Like people from America all around the country watch the game. No one watches the NRL Grand Final. Everyone watches this A of Origin series. It's actually made a name like on the in the world for rugby league. Because of how good the clashes are. But like you'd think like players like Nathan Cleary, Liam Martin, Turbo, especially like those younger players playing at Origin, like you would think watching the games where Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston and Billy Slater were playing when they dominated for eight years in a row, you would think, oh, now it's our time to shine and let's beat these guys. I think they'll be under confidence too as well. Like there's a lot of, like you can't help what happened to Tommy Turbo. You can't, like that is so unbelievable, so unlucky for us, which changes the whole game in so many ways, especially our attacking style as well. And you could see that the New South Wales team were getting real frustrated yeah, so, they were getting frustrated because they couldn't score really, and the other team was scoring at will whenever they had chances. Well, they had you know, no structure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. They had no structure, but it's almost like they've never actually trained together, right? They've been training for the last week. What was happening during those training weeks? Were they preparing for this game at all? It just seemed like every pass they were making was either going towards the ground or whenever they did receive the ball, all the attack would be really slow and clunky. And Queensland were just, yes, defensively really good, but they were able to read what exactly New South Wales were doing pretty much to a T and every time. 
And that's why they couldn't get anything going, New South Wales. And the one try they did score was off broken play. Be a different player on the field. Like, here's Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses is Mitch Moses. Nathan Cleary is Nathan Cleary. Like, you can't. Like you can't be a player. Like you have to change your style of attack now. Now you got Mitch Moses in. Maybe you got to change your style. Maybe they didn't have to pick. Like Luai, to be honest, I'm going to be honest, you might not agree with me, but I reckon Luai had a really good game. He's the only one that probably took him on a bit more. He's a bit grubby. And it's a bit unethical what he does. But he's probably one of the only players that made a dent through that Queensland team. But maybe it wasn't the right five eight to pair up with Mitch Moses. Uh, so not you... not only do I disagree with you that Luai had a good game, I thought he was the worst player on the field for New South Wales. He had around twenty tackles, but I know this for a fact: he had the most missed tackles out of anyone on the field with seven missed tackles, and a lot of the attack went towards his side of the field. So defensively. He was always caught out. In the attack, he couldn't really generate anything. I'm questioning whether he actually makes the side for game three. I, you know what? I don't think he will, but I don't see a problem with his performance. I honestly did not see nothing wrong with it. And it's not because I'm a Panthers fan. Like, he actually tried. Like, you got to understand, when you're in a losing team and you get injuries happen, you're under the radar. There's a lot of pressure. That injury happens, nothing's working for you. Like that should have been James Tedesco should have stepped up as a captain a bit more and probably try and take control of that game. Yeah, I completely see where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, you and I both know that the halves are the ones that give direction for the other players as well. And I'm just gonna look at the scoreboard. New South Wales only scored six points, and that was off broken play, like I said. Mm. So I'm gonna start questioning whether actually the halves were doing their job or not. No, they won't. I had a f- sort of that weird feeling that probably Mitch Moses wasn't the right player to go there. I feel like Nico Hines and Adam Reynolds, I, I still think Adam Reynolds would have been pretty good because he's that type of player. He's a half, he's a directional half where he doesn't carry, he's not, his forte is setting up plays, he's kicking game and controlling like the tempo of the game. And that's the half that Luai needs, because Luai is just an attacking player. He skips around the field. He tries to create something out of nothing. So that's the type of player he is. And like I said, I don't I don't think Mitch Moses was good. He was solid, but it wasn't good enough. Like, if you're going to play Origin, you have to be more than a 5 out of 10. You've got to be at least an 8, if not a 10 out of 10. You know, he's playing arguably the most important position on the field, which is the halfback. They're the ones that are controlling the attack, giving it direction. And you need that from a half as well. And frankly, Moses, you know, he's always really been uh, questionable in that, whether he's going to step up in the big games. In his first Origin game, he was actually pretty good, despite a losing effort. But in this game, he was obviously not the same guy that took Parramatta to the grand final last year and performed well in that other Origin game that he played. Hmm. Let's talk about like, New South Wales forward pack now. Do you think there's a lot of go forward in that pack? Um, no, I felt like Queensland were a lot better in that regard. 
I felt Payne Haas was actually New South Wales' best player. I believe he had about 20 runs, 160-plus metres, uh, made a bunch of tackles as well, didn't miss much. He was New South Wales' uh, real go-foot forward. But what I was really concerned with is the rotation, right? So you're looking at the minutes Payne Haas, he plays around 60 to 70 minutes. Uh, but guys like Junior Baller, he only played... 32 minutes and then Stefano he only played 12 minutes which really questions as to why Stefano was in the team in the first place if he was only going to play 12 minutes so oh, really man. the go forward yeah I think Queensland were better at it but what I'm looking at is the rotation and some of the heavy minutes that players like Payne Haas played but guys like Borlo and Stefano not really playing a lot of minutes during the game yeah, they should have. Yeah, that rotation needs to be. It's like you. We've said it at the start. There's only one person to blame for this game, and we both know who that is. And he needs. He needs to go right away. Yeah, and that comes down to the coaching staff at the end of the day, right? That's the decisions that may they make. They're got to be held accountable for their actions, and they're really showing poor leadership right now. Uh, not only just Freddie, but guys like Gray Alexander, Andrew Johns, right? All these guys that are part of the coaching staff, they're really showing poor leadership by not taking accountability for their poor decisions that they make. Yeah, but there is, the problem with these coaching staff is they're all working the media. Greg Alexander, Andrew Johns, Brad Fittler, they all work in the media. So they're not actually like, I don't see him as actual coaches, where Billy Slater is an actual coach. He wants to be an NRL coach one day, and he wants to hopefully coach in the future. He doesn't work for any media. His job is to coach Queensland. Well, he's the future Melbourne coach after Craig Bellamy. That's Come on, that's got to be certain, right? Mm, I'm not sure. Well, they did sign up Jason Riles. Yeah, but surely Billy's being groomed. He's just waiting for his chance until Bellamy retires and then he'll go in. I'm pretty sure. Well, Bellamy's re-signed for next year and they've signed Jason Riles for the next year as well as an assistant coach. This is going to be a whole other topic we can talk about. It could be Billy, but I think it's going to be Riles. I think Jason Riles is the next step up to be the Melbourne coach. Well, I mean, that's a whole other issue for a different day. But sorry, you were about to say something? But why would you like but Jason Rolls going to the Dragons? Like he gets offered to coach head coach of Dragons, but instead takes up an offer in Melbourne. There's got to be some plan in place for him to go over there. That's what I think. Mm. So you, uh, yeah, you might be onto something. I'm, I'm almost certain. I am almost certain about it. But mm. we'll just see what happens. But we'll go back to state of origin yeah um maybe let's touch on potentially who new south wales can get in as their next coach uh do you have anybody in mind because i don't really have a specific person or individual in mind but i do feel like they can go in two ways they can either go with a a tactical mastermind who is very experienced because that's definitely something that New South Wales is clearly lacking at the moment. Or they follow what Queensland have done 
they go with an ex-player who hasn't coached before, but is very knowledgeable in the area and will really um, bring something towards the New South Wales side that they are sorely missing. Do you have anything to add to that? I was just thinking about that on the back of my head. I would think, I know he's been doing a bit of coaching. I think maybe Danny Badiris would be a good coach. Would that be uh, potentially a problem because he's also part of the Brad Fittler coaching staff? And, you know, if we're talking about a big coaching clear out, he would have to be one of them. Yeah, but putting him as the head role maybe might help. Like there's a difference between being a head role and just being an assistant coach. The head coach always gets the last say. They only suggest stuff to Brad Fittler, which Brad Fittler might not see. But really, at the end of the day, it's all up to Brad Fittler. You know, I was looking at uh, comments on a video and it really gave me a bit of an idea as to where New South Wales would go. Now, I wouldn't make the decision, but I feel like because of how the board is run and how they feel the New South Wales team will go, I feel like they might go with someone like Paul Gallon. I wouldn't, you know what? I would not complain. I'd like that. I was going to, he was going to be my second suggestion. He is doing a bit of coaching at, for, um, with Flanagan at, um, North Macedonian, like doing the North Macedonian coaching. Cause I remember I was playing for Malta and he was on the sideline coaching them. So he has that coaching experience, but coaching at that high level is probably, I think being a coach is about recognizing your players' talents and then putting it all into one puzzle and and that's how you create a good side. Like you look at Penrith, each Penrith player has got their individual talents. So then Ivan just goes, all right, Brian Tall is good at carrying the ball out of our own half. So we'll give him a second carry off the kickoff and give him heaps of runs and give him heaps of hit-ups. Luai is an off-a-cuss player. He's not a structural player. So whenever he calls for the ball, he'll get it on the blind side. Clear is going to control the game. That's what he's good at. Zio is good at passing and being that link player. So really, it's all about just putting those pieces together. And I don't know, maybe Paul Gallant is a bit of a motivational coach as well. He's He was the captain of the Blues for as long as we remember. Before Tedesco as the captain. And yeah, I reckon he'd be a really good choice as well. Yeah, I think um, the next head coach needs to be good at two things. I think number one, he needs to be able to recognize talent, like you said. So I agree with you in that regard. But number two, also be um, very good with the tactical side of things. And clearly, someone like Brad Fittler really lacks and... I believe someone that needs to come in because if you've seen Billy over the last two series, he talks about culture. He talks about what he sees of the players, but what he doesn't uh, talk about and what I've really seen is that he's really good tactically, right? You see how well they play defensively. Their attack always looks structured and that comes down to the coaching at the end of the day. And I feel like that's someone that uh, New South Wales should really look at. So Another possible candidate could be someone that's experienced like Michael Maguire, who is currently coaching New Zealand, who's taken South Sydney to a premiership as well. Another one potentially could be uh, if he were to be available, 
Could Ivan Cleary coach both Penrith and New South Wales? We have seen coaches do that in the past. Do you think as a Penrith supporter, Ivan could do the job? Yeah, I reckon he could. I feel like that I feel like an origin coach has had to have play origin or be a part of it in somewhat. But yeah, I reckon Ivan could be a really good candidate for it as well. Well, to counter your argument, Phil Gould is arguably the greatest New South Wales coach of all time. He's the most winningest. And he wasn't really involved in um, Origin as a player until he started coaching them. And that's when he brought success. So he has been done in the past where people who haven't played Origin as players have gone on to coach the team and brought success towards the state of New South Wales. Even, um, what you call it? Even Wayne Bennett is another one too. That's another yeah. one too. Yeah, you're uh, right now. He's coached it. Yeah. So, well, we'll take a break and then we'll move on to our next part of the podcast. All right. The next thing I wanted to talk about was Ben Hunt. Now, he wants to lead the Dragons. He's prepared to pay some money as well to lead the Dragons, too. Look, I know how all these situations go, I've seen it in multiple sports. He's going to be leaving, right? It's not healthy for him to stay at the club and it's not healthy for the club to stay with him too. Now, before I get into some possible teams that I think could land Ben Hunt, I just wanted to go through some details with you. Ben Hunt, he's currently 33 years old. He's on $1.1 million for this season. And then he goes into about 800K uh for 2024 and 2025. That's his current contract. He He's really been, throughout his whole career, a, a B player. Uh, he's not really a core player. Oh, he is a core player, I should say, but he's not the number one guy when you're building a championship team. And I feel like if you're going to get Ben Hunt, you're in a situation where you want to try and win now a premiership. Now, I feel like there are a few teams that could make a play for Ben Hunt uh, for this year. I've categorized them into three different categories. The first one being the favorites. And there's two. And this is down to the fit, the situation that the team's in, and potentially the trade package. Because if the Dragons are smart, they would trade Ben Hunt and try and get an asset back. And those two teams are the Bulldogs and the Titans. The Bulldogs being they can offer youth plus Carl Flanagan, since his father's going to be coaching the team next year. The Titans, they've got a bunch of youth as well. Who would you trade? Who would be the good trade? You think someone like Jaden Campbell would have to be in the deal? Uh, Maybe someone else like Toby Sexton? Yeah, probably. You probably want Jaden Campbell as being the main piece. So they would have to offer at least one or two of their young players. I'm, someone like AJ Brimson is probably off limits, but someone who's a bit younger, full of potential like Campbell, Sexton, potentially they could throw in Tanner Boyd as well. You think they would be in the deal too? Yeah. I also have some dark horses. So some teams who may make a play 
but really the fit is not there. Uh, they would have to really move around some pieces. The first one being the Dolphins. They could include Sean O'Sullivan. They could get Katoa to play next to Ben Hunt as well. Do you know how old Sean O'Sullivan is? I was surprised to see his age when I was looking it up. He's about 23, 24. Yeah, 24. Still really young as a player. Yeah, he's still young. He's been around for a while. Nathan Cleary's only that age too, when you think about that too. Yeah, he's 25, Nathan Cleary, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. So I feel like halfbacks age well, but the older the halfback, the better the halfback is because it's like a quarterback in the NFL. They, You never see too many super young quarterbacks. They're, they're made, and it's a lot of practice to be a quarterback. Unless you're a freak talent, then you will be a young quarterback, but usually they're made. So, And you're yes. right. And you get Ben Hunt. They're in it. They're going all in, and that year they have to win a premiership because he's thirty-three years old. He's probably at the back end of his career. I reckon he's probably got maybe a year left in him. Maybe two. He might go to the age of thirty-five, depending on injuries and health. But yeah, I think yeah, I think the two teams that you mentioned are probably the two most teams that will probably go for him. Yeah, I have. I have a heaps of teams still listed. Still dark horses. I, I have that. Dolphins. I also yeah. have the Cowboys too. They could move on from Townsend. There's been rumors about them moving on to Townsend and signing Luke Brooks. Potentially they could go for Ben Hunt. I had the Raiders. It'd be a weird fit next to Fogarty, uh, especially for uh, next uh, year. I yeah, I, I didn't really I like that can't... when I wrote it down. I think... I think Canberra are very stuck on Fogarty to be their new half. Yeah, they're probably stuck with him too. I thought maybe Whiten leaving, you know, but yeah, yeah it, it didn't feel right they when could. I wrote it down. They could, but yeah, you're right with Whiten leaving. They they've got a bit more cash. Yeah, to pay, but I wouldn't say they wouldn't spend it on a player like him. I also have the West Tigers. You know, they could move on from Brooks probably leaving the club at the end of the year. Yeah. Another that team that, yeah. I'd probably say West Tigers are up there. Mm. Another team that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, but definitely I think con- needs consideration. South, but it, you know, they could go, the whole we need to try and win now in the next year or two. They could try and move on from Ilias if they don't feel like he's going to be really a core player towards a premiership. You're right. But the whole reason why they got rid of Adam Reynolds is because he was on his... Because Adam Reynolds was on his last leg, supposedly. Got too many injuries. And they wanted Ilias there so that way they could develop a halfback. Hmm. Yeah, good point. But now they've stuffed up this whole system where they've got all these old players like Cody Walker there and... Damien Cook too. Damien Cook. Not not so much Latrell Mitchell, like Jack Wyden being a bit of an older head too. They've all come to this club. Now they want to win a premiership. Yeah, and the time the timeline's a bit off is what you're saying. Yeah, the timeline's a bit off for that. So. so maybe someone like Ben Hunt could come in who's a little bit older, right? That's what that's what I was thinking. That's... But the salary cap may not work. They might have to offer someone like I don't know, Isaiah Tass potentially. 
someone else who's on a bit of a high payrolls, a bit of filler. Well, they could potentially get rid of Ilias. That could be a trade. Yeah, potentially. They just go, you know, we've got one or two years. That's our window for a premiership. Let's try and get that. I have one more category. This one's called, that seems dumb. The two teams I have, the Broncos, doesn't really make much sense for him to come to the Broncos, right? Where are they going to put him? Nine? I don't think he wants to play hooker. Yeah, he might. Yeah, but I don't think he wants to play it. That's a thing. 33 years old. Doesn't make a lot of sense for him to play there. Yeah, and who's the other dumb team? I have the Roosters. Oh, you know, I knew you were going to mention the Roosters. I had a week just there. a just a dumb move. We have our halfback of the future. I'm not sure what's happening with Sam Walker. We're not in a premiership window at the moment. Don't go for Ben Hunt. I know if it was just people making links because they're the Roosters. Just doesn't make any sense. Uh, who do you think Ben Hunt is going to go to actually, or do you feel like any of these teams are going to be making a play? Very hard. It's very. I feel like I feel like the Titans are going to go for him the most. I think. I feel like you're fitting that club a bit more because they're sort of missing. They haven't really got a real old head in that side, and I think that's what the Titans are missing. Having an old head in your club is like having a second coach on the field. Played a lot of experience. Played for Queensland. It's back home as well for him as well. So bit closer to where he's from. So, yeah, maybe I feel like the Titans would be the best fit for him if they if someone were going to make an offer. And I okay. feel like it end his career there. But I could see with Luke Brooks wanting to leave West Tigers, I could see West Tigers making a move on him too. The only um, thing is as well, you know, if he goes to the Titans, how much better does that make them? Does that make them a premiership contender? Realistically? For the Tigers, does that you know, what does that it give could. them? Does it just get them into the top eight? You it's know, it's just all these things. This is again, like I said, if you're gonna make this move, it's that final piece, is that piece that you're saying, we're gonna try and win now. We feel like we're gonna win now with this team. I get what you mean. And the only team I see that happening with is South. Because South have bought Jack Wyden. Jack Wyden went there on less money on to leave Canberra to go there. And for the reason you're saying to win a premiership now would be South. South would be the best option for him. Like, imagine if he went to South, the side that they would have with Jack Wyden on that one centre, Latrell Mitchell fullback, him at half, Cody Walker doing all the background plays, Cam Murray. It's almost a state of origin team. Yeah. It's almost a state of st- It's, it's just stacked. It's stacked. It's stacked. And so... It'd be the Australian team, essentially. So, for that reason, South would be the best fit, but I see him going to the Titans. I don't see him going to the Bulldogs. I feel like Gus doesn't go for old players. I feel like he wants his young... He wants the Bulldogs to develop a bit more as a club, and that's the reason why they're signing... And they've got that, what's his name? The New Zealand Carl... Oluapu? Yeah, Oluapu there. He's... I reckon he's a pretty special talent, and I feel like he'll be the future star at Bulldogs. So, and they've got Matt Bird in there too. I wouldn't see him as a good fit at the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. I reckon Titans would be trying to offer him the most money. That'd be the leader, I think. Do you, Do you think Ben Hunt's guaranteed to be leaving the Dragons? 
or do you feel like oh yes, you know, there's a world given, where he's safe? No, he's given them to me, James. Like that time, I'm pretty sure there's one time he was the only one that turned up to the presentation. The only player like him. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if that was me, I'd be like, what am I doing here? If I'm the only player showing up and no one else has decided to show up to this presentation, what am I doing here at this club? I would leave straight away in a heartbeat. I'm surprised he actually stayed after that. It just shows how much of a good person he is and a good clubman he is as well. Yeah, I just want to actually touch on Ben Hunt, right? He, he re-signed with the Dragons for another couple of years at the end of last year. I mean, and then Anthony Griffin leaves. He doesn't want to stay. You know, potentially the reason why he wants to leave is he doesn't get along with Shane Flanagan. And Flanagan was there an assistant as Griffin was a head coach. So potentially that could be the issue, right? And people asking why he wants to leave. But to be honest, if I was Ben Hunt, you've got to be a lot smarter than that. Um, Anthony Griffin's almost been a dead man walking for the last 18 months. How could you not see that Griffin was going to get fired at least this year? You know, it's beyond me. And he re-signs with the, he gets a contract extension, the Dragons, and then he wants to leave after six months. You know, I feel like he's got to be a lot smarter than that at the end of the day. Because if he didn't re-sign with the Dragons... He'd be free to leave at the end of this season. The one final thing we want to talk about today is Justin Holbrook sacking and Des Hazlers being hired as a new Gold Coast Titans coach. Now, I predicted this. I said that Holbrook was going to be out by July, and so was the case. Now, defensively, they've been really poor this season. They're at least in the bottom three. And there wasn't really any improvement. That's why he was fired in that case. What do you make of all this? I think it's a good move. I think it's the move that they need. It needs to be made. And well, he's not so, isn't it 2024? He's, is it fired now or is it fired 2024? No, effective immediately. So effective immediately, Holbrook has left. And I believe Des Hasler has come in as of right now as the Gold Coast Titans coach. I haven't heard anything about an interim coach. I believe that Des Hassler has come in as of right now. And the reason why I actually said that Holbrook was going to be fired, I felt defensively they didn't improve at all from last season or the last few seasons as well. And the timing of it as well, they probably feel like they can actually make the finals this year. They're sitting around ninth, 10 within that mix. They feel like if they fire Holbrook now and bring in Hasler, they could probably make the top eight. And that's probably why they make the move now. It's, I think they can. Des Hasler is obviously a coach that's led teams to grand finals and premierships. So I don't know, he's been, he's been out of the game for a while now and the game changes as well. When the game changes with time, so, and I think this is the first time Gold Coast have ever had like an experienced coach in their club so far since they existed. So, and I feel like it's what they need. There's a lot of, like I said before, there's a real young talent coming through that team. And, mm-hmm. and I believe Des Hasler could potentially put that team in the right path. 
not maybe not this year, but in the next coming years, hopefully. Yeah, I don't feel like they're going to be premiership contenders right now. But when we're talking about next two, three years, you know, you look at that young talent, Brimson, Campbell, Fafida, Big Tino, Mo Fodawaka, right? If they bring in Ben Hunt, um, you know, all these young guys are coming through. Once they hit 24, 25, 26, they start to come into their own. These guys, you know, they're going to be very similar to what Penrith and the Broncos are experiencing right now, I believe. Yeah, how good. Broncos are going really well at the moment. They've got a lot of talent coming through with Reese Walsh. Well, the two leaders, contenders are Payne Haas and Reese Walsh uh, for the Dalian medal. Two in one team. They're probably my two big contenders and they're playing the same team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the reason why the Broncos, I think, last year had that big downfall from the top four towards the bottom eight was because of a lot of young talent. But you're looking at the reason why they're probably in the top four right now is because of that young talent as well. You're looking at guys like Walsh, Ezra Mam, Herbie Farnworth, looking at uh, other young players as well within that team. And then you look at back when Penrith were doing it, back in 2018 and 2019, and then eventually make the grand final in 2020. They had that young core. To me, the Gold Coast Titans are on a very similar trajectory and making this coaching move now I feel like is going to definitely accelerate their chances of winning a premiership over the next few years. And they're only just starting to scratch the surface of what's eventually going to become their premiership window. Is there anything else you want to touch on in that situation? No, that's about it. That's that's all I've got so far. Yeah, that's all you got. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, go on. I want to end on something. Are we... I'm going to end on this. So I saw on Triple M and I thought it'd be good for us. I know it's the last minute that we didn't prepare for this, but I feel like you would like this. So they've named, so Ryan Gerdler and David, uh, Ricardo, yeah, Ricardo have... um Riccio? Yeah, Riccio, that's it, on the Triple M. Yes, sorry. My bad pronunciation. Daniel Ricardo, <laughs> the F1 oh, driver. Okay. Yeah, the F1 driver, that's it. Yeah. That's your lookalike. <laughs> That's not what I look like. I do not look like you. <laughs> yeah, anyway. we'll, we'll keep going. Um, they've actually named, I think you might have saw this too now, you know. So they've named a surprise. Their NRL's like mid-season review, their biggest surprise, the biggest flop, the buy of the year, the premiers, and the premiers prediction, and the Dalian medal. Do you have, can you quickly fixate on who would be the biggest surprise? Who surprised what team? Or just even just like even a player, not not so much a player or anything in real that surprised you. Okay, how about we do this quickly? So just yell out the categories to me and then the first thing that pops into my head, I'll say it. All right, surprise. The biggest the surprise big surpri- team? Team, yep. The Warriors this season. Yeah, I'd probably say I'd say the Warriors too. They've also said the Dolphins. But I don't. I didn't see that as. I, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't surprised, and the reason I being like, that Wayne Bennett is their coach, right? Do you really think yeah. they're going to be that bad? No, they're not going to be that bad. Okay, 
the biggest flop, the team, flop team. And we both, I think we both know who that is. Well, I saw the Roosters coming, right? I didn't think they were going to be that good this season. A lot of people said they were going to be no, they were top four premiers, right? They'll they'll meant to be minor premiers this year in my eyes. That's in your eyes, yeah, but not in my eyes either. So who do you reckon the biggest flop is? Yeah, look, you have to put the Roosters in there definitely. Oh, you can say it's it's hard. I know it's hard for you to say that, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, uh, I can still coming to a grips that, you know, we need to rebuild, pretty much and. Our premiership chances or oh, our window is closed officially now. Well, who, well, what else would be? I don't see other teams being a real flop in the. Um, you know what? I put the Bulldogs in there. Why do you think that? You look at the moves that they made and you look at, they probably already made moves. And Kakao's been injured the whole year. Marnie, he's been good with them, but defensively. He's always making a bunch of tackles and he's missing them too. Maybe Burton hasn't really kicked on. And guys like this, and I don't think their fullback has worked. Perham, I would like to see Avarillo play fullback. I thought they'd make the top eight just based on their talent and the fact that they brought in Serraldo, who I was a big fan of. Yeah. I don't think about, uh, I don't think they've lived up to expectations, really. What about Avarillo going to the Dolphins next year? What do you, That's a... Interesting buy for them, especially when yeah. they got the hammer. They got a lot of good backs there already. If you look Adam. at, yeah, yeah, I know they got a lot of good backs. They bring in Farnworth as well, right? And they got Valence Tafare coming through as well, who looks very solid as a prospect. Oh, um, yeah, but if you look on the Bulldogs' end, it it looks like they do have to get rid of some of their outside backs. Um, at least for one of them to make room for Stephen Crichton. So it does make a lot of sense and Avarilla just happened to be one of them. And my guess is that the Bulldogs are just going to re-sign Paul Alamotti. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, another... I don't know. He hasn't... Been a lot of hype around him too, but like mm. I don't think he, he's... He's solid, but he hasn't really like come out like the blocks like a lot of the younger players have from Bulldogs like Kyle, what, Kyle Olakawapu and, um, oh, and and your guy Presto. <laughs> yeah, my guy Presto. Like he's he came. I didn't expect him to come out of the block that hard. Like he played the trial matches really well, but I didn't expect him to actually be a solid starter for the Bulldogs until about halfway throughout the season. Yeah, and but be consistent as well. He's yeah, he's probably the most consistent player in that side. Yeah. So you go on next category. Come on, you're you're uh, controlling the podcast now. Yeah, it's I like it. I like controlling the podcast. It's good. Mm. Um, so the flop, I'd say another flop team would be the Cowboys. That'd be another big flop team too. Yeah, that's but a good idea. Yeah, that, that's a good point. But they've also got a lot of injuries too, so you can't really blame them. For yeah, that but, but some of their players haven't lived up to. You know, some of the players look really old, like Hiku, Felt, Townsend. Okay. Nanai well, being one of the worst defenders in the league too. He's a gun. He was a gun play for Queensland apparently that night. How good was he? Like, he had the second most missed tackles in the game. No, no. It's, <laughs> uh, that's, those are the players I hate. Like he full acts like he's won it for Queensland, but really he done nothing. <laughs> he just, he yeah. just sat on the edge and just looked pretty. Um, by the year, 
that was the next category. Buy of the year. Who do you reckon the buy oh, of the year? Oh, it's still the same person who I picked at the start of the year. It's Reese Walsh. Has yeah. to be. Yeah, he's been going really good. They've also said um the hammer as well. He's not to an extent. Like, not to an extent as what Walsh has done for the for the Broncos. No, he's been he's close to being the um the Daly M like player so far. So yeah, he's been a really solid buyer for oh, yeah. next I category. Premiers. The both David Riccio and Ryan Gerlard both said South Sydney Rabbitohs. Do you agree with them? Uh yeah, I mean I'm looking at it as Penrith South Sydney Grand Final right now. Yeah, probably say, uh you know. I, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with Penrith. I would say Penrith just because of the experience. If Panthers if Nathan Cleary gets his hamstring right, um and they keep going the way they're going throughout the season, but the consistency, they will win it. A hundred percent. But if they lose a bit of form or something happens dramatically, like, I feel like something like Isaiah Yo getting injured or even like someone like um, like Jerome Luai or Brian Toll getting injured could possibly affect their whole season. I also don't really trust that Joel Mitchell is going to stay healthy for the rest of the season either. He's already got a calf injury. You know, he's been having the hamstring issues. He's been having a lot of soft tissue injuries over the last couple of years. I don't really trust that he's going to stay healthy. Other one, Brisbane Broncos is probably another... Premiership contender. If once Adam Reynolds stops getting injured as well, yeah, again, the same player can't really trust him to be healthy. But again, I feel like they're a couple of years away. They're a very young team. All right, and then the last one is we'll discuss this already before Dalian Medal. Who do you reckon is going to win it? Yeah, I've had a big, big think of it. Yeah, at the moment, it looking like one of the Broncos players like Haas or Walsh. I would actually put in Cody Walker at the moment. Cody Walker. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking. I've just got up the leaderboard now. Cody Walker's on 22 points, where the leader, Payne Haas, is on 30 points. Wow. Yeah. Is this uh, predicted or is this No, this wrong? is the real one. This yeah, is because the voting, the voting closed off after um, game one, or just before game one of uh, Origin. So I believe that was round 13. So it went behind so closed doors. Yeah, this was the last updated one. All right, so yeah, it does. It says last updated from here it is, uh, the twenty second of May. So yeah, so they probably closed the doors off now, and Payne Haas was leading it by three points, with Nathan Cleary twenty seven, and then Harry Grant twenty five. Yeah, to me, if you had to pick someone who's been the best regular season player, I would have to say Cody Walker, for what he's done for South this season with Latrell Mitchell and without Latrell Mitchell. I feel like he's been able to really steer his team around. They have one of the best attacks in the league. And it's all because of him. Mm-hmm. And it's really surprised me as well because I had Nathan Cleary and Latrell Mitchell as favorites going into the year. And I felt like Latrell Mitchell, that was his team at South Sydney. But really, it's all been Cody Walker's team this season. Yeah, I agree with you with that too. Well, it's hard. Well, he stepped up to the plate, and that's and that's good from a player. So when Latrell Mitchell comes back, they're going to be an unstoppable force. But we always talk about how much potential Souths have as a club and as a team. But 
if they stay healthy, they've got a really good chance of winning it. Like their healthy side right now, like their full strength side, would probably win a premiership any day of the week. And would yeah. actually not probably win it, would be really good contenders up with Broncos and the Panthers. Do you think another quick question I've just thought of now? Do you think Melbourne are up there too? Not in the same bracket as a Penrith or a South. I feel like they're just a tier below, right? And, you know, it depends on whether they get Pappenhausen back and what he looks like at the end of the day. They are are coming third in the ladder. So the top four stands is Broncos, Panthers, Storm, Rabbos. And then the, from fifth to eighth, it's Sharks, Warriors, Raiders, and Eels. And with the Dolphins and the Titans and the Roosters being on the same points, like also being like contenders to be in the top eight still, there's no really, there's no team that's actually like lapping the table. It's all pretty even. If you look at it, everyone, like Broncos have only had four losses and Panthers have had five losses as well as the Storm. So there's not, like last year, we're looking at a Panthers team that only lost like a couple, a handful of games. And we're halfway through the season and teams are losing four to five games. But the top teams. So mm. Yeah, I think um, to me though, South and Penrith are just a tier above every other team. You do have those other teams like a, a Melbourne, a Brisbane, Cronulla, they're sort of just in the tier below. And I think that's just based on the the quality of the team, but also the experience of them playing in the finals and in the big games as well. I feel, look, I was just thinking about this in the car and I was talking about this with my mate. Who would be a player that you could like, so you have to pick, just say it's one player, to base your team like around, like you had one player to choose and it could be any player in the world and you have to build a team around that certain player, who would that player be? Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary? Was that? Not only do I feel like he's the best player in the league at the moment, but he has proven to be a big game player. He's still very young. I believe he's only 25. He still has his career ahead of him. Usually plays peak around that 28, 29. And like you said before, they could even age like fine wine pretty much. So as they get older, they become better. And... If I want a proven player who plays in the most important position, I'm going to choose the best player in the world who I feel like that is, and it's Nathan Cleary. And I'll just build the team around him. I'm starting to sound like Fittler. There you are. If I... Look, it came down for me with three players, and they're all in different positions. So it came down with Latrell Mitchell, Cameron Munster, and Nathan Cleary. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm I'm not sure if it's the right decision, but I'll say Cameron Munster. He's just, he is a one-of-a-kind player. And he's probably going to be, has he, has he won a Dally M yet, Cameron Munster? Like, he is an absolute freak of a player. And he's just a player where, like, Cleary is good to a certain point. Like, he can control the game really well. But Munster is that top player where he knows, he goes in that field, and he knows he's the best. He runs onto the paddock, he goes, I'm Cameron Munster, look at me. I'm the best, I'm going to dominate. And he does. And like, he never, like, how many times have you seen Cameron Munster get tackled onto the ground? 
Like he's just always trying to find his feet. He tries to for that quick play to ball. He's just a real competitor. I, I like him as a player. I'd probably build a team around him. Mm. There's a lot of halfbacks you can find that can organize the game and you can develop a lot of halves like Cleary. But Cleary's good at what he does, but there's a lot of other players that are good like him. I feel like Munster's a one-of-a-kind player. You're not going to find another 5'8 like him and he can like create something out of nothing. And he's good defensively as well. He's good defensively until he shoots out of the line and puts pressure on the outside backs. Well, that's up to the outside backs to go with him. Because he's yeah. supposed to be a team right? You know what? Too. You know what? Munster, Cleary, they'd probably be really fun to play with too at the end of the day. Imagine both of them in the same side. Well, they did in Australia. Mm-hmm. but And that's how good the Australian side was. So... Well, that's why they ended up winning the World Cup last season. Oh, who else? But yeah, the World Cup is a war. Who else is going to... So, there's, you don't see any other... It's Australia and who's going to make the grand final? It's always the World Cup when yeah. it comes to that. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of the podcast. Thank you, Anthony, for once again joining me. You can find Anthony's uh, Instagram profile... Uh, down below in the description or if you're listening it's at anth underscore booker you can also find my instagram at vincentmans12 you can also find the podcast instagram page uh at vincentman sports podcast thank you for everyone for listening and we will all talk to you soon